Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on in Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Out in Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Start it up. That's your Tuesday on B&E, 27 June. Bucky enjoying the week off. J.J. Gotch will be in-house with us, our great friend from the Austin Gamblers. Been on the show before, hanging out with us. Does a great job. Got a great radio voice, gravelly. Ready to talk some bull riding, but also uh, all the conversations of uh, this Tuesday morning, the end of the college baseball season, the end of the college athletic calendar for 2022-23. They're all in the books now. What do we have, Ty? We have Georgia won the national championship in football, UConn in men's basketball, LSU in women's basketball, Texas won it in volleyball, correct? Texas women's track and field. Texas women's track and field won a natty. Also, uh, swimming. Swimming. You can, you can just lock that one down over here. Uh, UConn in basketball on the men's side. Now, LSU in baseball and in women's basketball. First program to pull that uh, feet off, which is pretty cool. And... Uh, so, good stuff right there. Uh, the end of the year. 2023 into 24. Uh, historic year for Texas. Of course, their final year playing in the Big 12 Conference. A conference they, along with Oklahoma, helped found and start back in the mid-90s. Uh, this will be their final year in the Big 12 Conference on their way to the Southeastern Conference. They will compete one more year. Now, it's interesting. The Longhorns can take a note on this in Texas that they're coming up on July 1st. All the programs that are moving into new conferences in 2023, it'll become official. Right, the University of Houston, um, you know, Central Florida, BYU, Cincy, Cincy, all become Big Twelve conference members as of July the first. Uh, all those new affiliations will begin July one, which means you know next year at this time the Longhorns will be become officially into the SEC on July first of twenty twenty four, and that will be their first uh, flurry, and that that will start with the football and volleyball of twenty twenty four of the fall. And into next year. So one full calendar year remaining for the Longhorns in the Big 12 Conference coming off a year in which they finished uh, runner-up in that uh, Director's Cup, the uh, the top athletic department in the country, to Stanford. Longhorns had won it in back-to-back years, and now they could they seed uh, it back to Stanford. Let's get to those headlines, though, trending topics, and in some special guests and our buddy J.J. Gotch hanging out. Let's get to the news. UBO Business Services brings it to you. We'll start with college baseball, LSU Tigers. Certainly flipped the script last night at Omaha on the Florida Gators, and they are now the champions of college baseball in 2023, a day after they gave up the most runs in a men's college World Series game ever. That 24-4 loss to Florida, it was LSU who cranked up the offense to claim the program's seventh national title, its first since 2009. They beat Florida 18-4 last night in Omaha. 
to claim the championship. Florida's All-American center fielder Wyatt Langford got the scoring started with a two-run homer in the first inning. It looked like the Gators were going to pick up right where they left off there, but then that's when LSU starter Thatcher Hurd buckled it down and pitched great from that point. While the Tigers' bats went to work, they erupted for six runs in the top of the second inning without an extra base hit. They also added four more in the fourth, break it wide open, and cruise from there to their second, uh, to their as we said, their seventh national title, their first for their second-year head coach Jay Johnson. As we said, LSU women's coach Quinn Mulkey was in attendance last night to see the Tigers become the first Division One school to win a baseball and a uh, basketball national championship in the same year. College basketball, another big addition for Rodney Terry and his Longhorn basketball program yesterday after losing their top two recruits in the 2023 uh, recruiting class to the pro ranks earlier this spring. Yesterday, the program announced the signing of combo guard Chris Johnson, 6'4", 180-pounder, who played at Fort Ben Elkins before transferring to Montverde Academy in Florida for his senior season. He originally committed to Kansas last August, but was released from that national letter of intent and chooses the Longhorns yesterday. Missouri City native rated as the 11th best combo guard in the country, third best recruit in the state of Texas, according to 24-7 Sports. Light schedule in Major League Baseball last night did include the first place Rangers opening up a four-game home series with Detroit last night at Globe Life Field. 7-2 loss they take there. Tigers roughed up Rangers starter Andrew Heaney in that one. LA Angels were in action as well. They pull into a tie with Houston for second place in the L West with a 2-1 win over the White Sox. Shohei Otani belted his 26th home run on the season as 11th in his last 19 ball games. Angels and the Idle Astros are both five back of the Rangers now. Round Rock also off last night. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. All right, so there you go. There's your news. College World Series in the books, and uh, look who's sitting down with us. Found his way in. You got. I got a text from JJ Gotch that I'm here. And I was like, well, how am I going to get him in the building in the middle of the update? But Eric uh, you, Rains. Eric Rains delivers. Eric Rains from Coke he, FM delivers. He's a five-tool radio personality. <laughs> he is, and he's a hell of a drummer too. You know, he's a <laughs> professional musician himself. Uh, used to tour with uh, who was it that they Rick Trevino. Used to be in the band with Rick Trevino. He's been a pickup. He's a really good drummer. Actually, Eric Rains, you don't know this there, J.J., went to Texas State when it was Southwest Texas State on a music scholarship. And Rick Trevino, round rock guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe. And so, yeah, he's that's one of the cool things. Well, one of the many cool things of Eric Rains is that he is uh, he, he helps develop musicians because he's a musician himself. And that's he's got a passion for music and helping those unknowns become knowns and uh, finding the right music to play on coke fm and that's been a big part of their success without a doubt and you have been a big part of the success of many an organization in your lifetime mr jj gotch how are you my friend good man this is great i'm i appreciate you having me here got to listen to uh my good buddy ty harrington yesterday I always miss you and buck but it's always good to hear other familiar faces yeah you know ty very very well and uh Gosh, we everybody knows Ty Harrington because I got a text from our friend Craig Flowers, who you're friendly with as well. His twin, yeah, his twin. Craig, <laughs> Craig is up in uh, in the great state of Wyoming for an event, and he's with Jeff Fry, the former Texas Ranger ball player, and sent a video of Jeff Fry saying hello to Ty Harrington. They haven't crossed paths in a while, but know each other. So you know, everybody connecting here in June uh, on the Horn, and that's what it's all about: connecting with people. And uh, you know, in addition to the how are you? How is how's the family? Everybody good? I know it's uh, year one with the Austin Gamblers, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, also talk some college baseball and your love of uh, Omaha and the College World Series and all other things on a Tuesday. But uh, everybody good? Everybody's good. We actually uh, we just got back from Brazil. Ooh. We uh, was able and fortunate to take uh, my wife and daughter along with us on our gambler training camp to Brazil. Uh, it was just an amazing experience from a team standpoint and a family standpoint to be able to get to take them with me. So. 
Yeah, man, everybody's good. Just, uh, you know, trying to stay out of this heat and, and uh, wait for this thing to pass. What were the uh, temps like in Brazil? Was the weather... So it's 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 just starting, or it's winter there. Okay. So it's the opposite for there. And so it was really awesome. It was, uh, during the day, it was in the high 60s, and at night it was in the uh, high 50s. Nice. No humidity. So Brazil for Austin Gamblers Training Camp, was that centered around Jose Vitor Lemmy? Well, it, it's it's centered around really half of the best bull riders in the world are from Brazil. Oh. Um, we hired a new coach and a director. We actually opened up some operations in Brazil, gentleman by the name of Adriano Marias. Adriano is the first, the very first PBR world champion ever. He's one of only two three-time world champion, world champions in, in professional bull riding. And he's, he's kind of the, he's the godfather. And so we were able to bring him on and he's, he's doing a lot of scouting and recruiting and really running operations for us down there. So it was an opportunity for us to take some of our guys from America down there, opportunity for our Brazilian riders like Jose to be able to host us. And it was just a great experience. Very cool. Very good. And Jose, of course, the best bull rider in the world right now as a part of that Austin Gamblers. And if you're catching up one year in, of course, the PBR, the uh, Professional Bull Riding League, went from an individual sport to a team sport uh, in the last year. And uh, Austin Gamblers, one of the eight teams. And I think in year one, I have been watching the ride on Amazon Prime. Uh, I think we're four episodes in now. we got to get back. We binged it one night, and we haven't been back to it because we've been running around and busy in the month of June. But that debuted here and in the month of June, and uh, it really gets you behind the scenes. Well done, by the way, for whoever put that together. But uh, uh, year one, I think the, the, the league feels like this thing is, has got some momentum now after a year in the books. Yeah, yeah I think <clears throat> there's still a lot of work to be done, not only for us on the team side with the gamblers, but with the, with the PBR and the team series. But overall, we built a really good foundation. All eight teams, all eight markets had successful years, uh, really building the brand of, of each individual team and the league itself. But again, it, it's not easy taking a sport that's been primarily individual for its entire existence and turning it into a team sport. And so we're excited about going into year two. And as you mentioned, the ride, uh, which is on Prime Video, did a great job of capturing that entire inaugural season, all the storylines behind it. If you're, if you're in uh, episode four or five, you're getting ready to get into some pretty meaty uh, storytelling. There's some. There's a lot of triumphs throughout the year, but there's some tragedies with some of the individual riders that you're getting ready to go through. But it's incredible storytelling and really, uh, uh, you know, allowing the fans to take the helmet off these bull riders, get them off the bulls, and see who they really are. It's really good. I mean, if you're a fan of uh, Drive to Survive, the F1 series on Netflix, and a fan of uh, the PGA Tour's full swing uh, behind the scenes of golf. Uh, those are just people love getting behind the curtain, and this certainly does that for bull riding and, and on par with those two, in my opinion. So check that out. You'll learn a lot, and I can't wait to talk with J.J. more about it. Also, the other topics of the day, but one big topic. Excited uh, to go to the Vaqueros hotline here. Let's, let's launch our Coach's Corner. It's brought to you by Audiovisual Consultations, uh, AV Consultations Online. Audiovisual Consultations and Tom McKay, the really smart guys who never make you feel stupid. All right, J.J., I'll walk you into this along with our audience. So, of course, July 1st, new law goes into effect here in the state of Texas, been signed by the governor, that will uh, change and loosen some of the NIL restrictions for the schools participating in the state of Texas. And uh, someone who is uh, pivotal in pushing this legislation through is a former Texas football player who joins us on the Vaqueros Hotline. Uh, he was a walk-on player at Texas back in the day, played, uh, I think, running back out of Wichita Falls. He's now a... Uh, a uh, partner, or at least with the law firm Alston & Bird, a multinational law firm. 
he and our other guest who will be with us here, Darren Dickerson, work out of, uh, you know, uh, Trenton, uh, Trenton works out of the uh, D.C. office. Uh, Darren works out of the Atlanta office, and they were big on, on, on pushing this legislation through. Let's welcome to the show Trenton Halfley, former Longhorn football player, now doing work as, a, as an attorney. Trenton, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm doing well, Ian. How are you? Doing good. How, let's start with uh, your story, and how did you get from walk-on football player at Texas to uh, this role as a, as a you know, power broker attorney out of Washington, D.C.? <laughs> well, you know, it was a, a bit of a ride. I, uh, my dad's actually a high school coach down in Austin at uh, Westlake, and so for me, I, I'd been around sports most of my life, and, uh, you know, coming out of school and out of football, I knew I wanted to kind of keep driving and do something a little bit more, so I went up to law school in Washington, D.C., and joined Austin and Bird, and, um, you know, through my kind of football connections and, and growth there in Austin, I connected with a few folks pretty early in the NIL process. And, you know, through that began advising them and the space and, and Darren, uh, one of our partners here at the firm has been working in education, uh, you know, with institutions and different groups for many, many years. And so him and I kind of worked together to, to grow this practice and help advise clients on this, you know, new space and wild west as uh, i think people like to call it uh exactly and darren i appreciate you being with us darren uh, dickerson is with us as well on a conference line he works out of the atlanta office trenton comes to us from the dc office of uh, alston and bird uh darren welcome to the show appreciate you doing this thank you uh pleasure to be here with you Appreciate you doing it. All right, so so start with this. Uh, either one can jump in. Uh, obviously, you were advising schools on the new frontier and the new laws and how to navigate them. Uh, what changes on July 1st specifically? What what does this new law for the layperson out there, what does it mean? Uh, how does it change things for the University of Texas, Texas A&M, and all the schools participating uh, here in college athletics in the, in the state of Texas? Yeah, so House Bill 2804, um, you know, passed pretty quickly and goes into effect July 1st. It has uh, some pretty sweeping changes in language and the legislation that kind of helps schools in terms of the NIL space. And and really, most importantly, I think helps a lot of uh, third-party entities that want to work in the NIL space with student-athletes. You know, first and foremost, it creates a pretty sweeping rule that the NCAA or athletic associations and conferences – are not allowed to enforce rules that um, make something not allowed that's in the bill. Um, a couple of things that are in the bill that are uh, now allowed that weren't previously allowed in the NIL law include describing what a third-party collective might look like, how it can be separate from the school, and the exact you know setup that is required for it to be considered separate. Um, it explains how institutions and other third-party entities can facilitate and create different deals or uh, opportunities for student athletes. And I think one thing that a lot of people are interested in um, that you've seen is it allows schools to be a bit more hands-on in terms of some de minimis things that can be given to collectives or donors. I think you've seen um, all the schools you just mentioned uh, get some priority point systems uh, put in place to allow donors of collectives to kind of receive some priority access to ticketing or things like that, and it kind of sets those in motion. 
Okay. Uh, so advantages for those who do give and uh, uh, helping the, the Texas One Fund and the 12th Man Plus Foundation down at A&M, for example, uh, to be able to uh, incentivize uh, their donors to give uh, to support it. And, uh, Darren, so the state of Texas's law obviously going to be different than, than other states, and I know that's not your responsibility with, with this new law. Um, how do you foresee this this playing out over time where, where different states are going to have different rules? We know that the uh, a lot of coaches are talking to Washington, D.C. about federal oversight. Uh, is there any way to predict how this will play out in the next year to, to, to several years? Well, that is the biggest challenge of what we we're watching very closely. Obviously, there's a patchwork of uh, laws around the country, and, and we're seeing states continue to amend their laws to try to keep up competitively with other states. Alabama has changed their law several times. Texas has updated their law, and other states are, are doing the same. Um, and the challenge is that there isn't a single framework that's applicable to everyone, which is why the NCAA is really pushing Congress to come up with a solution that applies nationwide. Um, we know how dysfunctional Congress is these days, and so I'm not optimistic that that's going to happen quickly. Uh, and what will really be interesting to see is what the NCAA strategy is if Congress doesn't act. Um, you know, the NCAA has taken a lot of losses in court recently as well as in public opinion. I think they're a little uh, skittish about making a big move in this space. But if they don't, we're going to continue to see this disjointed approach to NIL from state to state, and I don't think that really benefits anyone. Yeah. Uh, Trent, uh, Trenton Halfley is with us, Darren Dickerson, uh, law firm Austin, Austin Bird, helping to push this legislation through that, uh, you know, is a game changer for a lot of folks here in the, in the state of Texas. And it's kind of ruffled uh, some things around the country as well. Uh, Trenton, as a former student athlete yourself and a walk on football player, um, just your personal opinion on NIL and how it benefits student athletes and the connections that can be made. Um, you know, you know, put away the, the, the legal side, but just as a, a player who walked the campus and went to school and played football and you saw a lot of other athletes playing you know, other sports, how do you, what's your personal opinion on NIL and how mm-hmm. it can impact young people? Man, I think it's tremendously beneficial to the student athlete. I, I look back and I joke with some of my former teammates, uh, especially the walk-ons, about the opportunities we might have been able to sneak our way into around Austin had we had NIL back in the day, but um, you know, I think for the student athlete, it, it comes in a bunch of different ways. I know some players that I played with came from some situations where, you know, money was needed for them to help their family back home. And I think this gives kids the opportunity in college to instantly help their family if needed. I think that's a really important factor for, for those folks. And then I think you're seeing it a lot in college basketball at the moment. You're kind of seeing a shift in what uh, college basketball really looks like, where you have some of the younger one-and-done players go into more of the G League system because uh, they know they want to go instantly pro, whereas you have some juniors and seniors who may stay an extra year in order to kind of make sure they're making that NIL compensation, but also maybe get the chance to win a national championship again because their prospects of going pro and staying in the league long term might not be as strong as uh, some of those younger guys. And so I think those two pieces are really important. And then the third thing that I highlight for, you know, some of the more non-revenue sports outside of football and basketball there is that people got to remember that, you know, a lot of these kids are not necessarily on full scholarship that aren't in these revenue sports, right? You know, you look at the baseball team, they don't all have full scholarships on the team. You look at rowing and you look at track and field and a lot of them are half scholarships or not even, you know, anything but just a walk-on experience. And for those people to be able to have the opportunity to receive some compensation and some, you know, 
financial help outside of just what the school is allowed to provide under those scholarship rules is, you know, really important and really gives, you know, some of those other sports a chance to succeed. Uh, good stuff. Trenton Halfley and Darren Dickerson, Alston Bird, the attorneys who helped push this legislation or craft this legislation that was signed into law by the governor. It'll go into effect on July the 1st in the state of Texas. Darren, back on the NCAA, you mentioned they've taken a lot of uh, court losses. And, you know, part of the reason the NCAA has not acted on much of anything right now. And part of the reason I, I, I'm sure they when they when they were talking to the to the you know U.S. Congress and the feds about some oversight, they were asking for, you know, protection legally uh, because one of the things the NCAA has said is we're we're bleeding on on legal fees and fighting these cases and you know we we may win some we're losing them too but it's just it's too costly which you know, this is why there's no teeth in the NCAA now is there is there a way the NCAA you know is that fair for them to get legal protection from the US government or or how do you think that plays out from the NCAA side Yeah I mean I think the NCAA is in a really treacherous position right now because frankly it doesn't have much power or much leverage over uh, the schools and the conferences. I mean as we see the realignment in college football in particular the individual conferences are amassing more and more power Uh, and I think we're potentially on the verge of seeing a completely different model where the NCAA uh, is perhaps sidelined especially when it comes to football uh, or maybe even goes away. We, we may see a completely different iteration of the NCAA in the years to come. Um, but I think I think it's important for the NCAA to figure out kind of what its plan B is if Congress doesn't act, because uh, I think it's definitely in jeopardy of, of taking another big, significant loss. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Last thing, Trenton and uh, Darren, we appreciate this a lot. I know fans are trying to get their heads around what's coming. Uh, Trenton, specifically for the, the Texas One Fund and, and, and that collective and, and how this works, uh, how will things change on July 1st for just the general fan or boosters who want to help? Uh, what, what changes? You went through it a little bit, but, but reset that for, for, for our, our audience and our and fans on what's going to change on July 1st. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, you know, I mean, I will say on, on the outset here, I don't think a, a whole lot is going to change for what the Texas One Fund is doing. You know, we've advised them from the jump, and they've kind of been operating under the assumption of, you know, following a lot of uh, rules and laws here. I think one thing that will change is a, a lot more connection with the university itself. I think you saw Crystal Conte uh, send out an email, um, you know, discussing some uh, potential benefits coming for donations through the priority system and through um, different help there. And so I think people can look to that. And, you know, once that kind of gets rolling, it, it, it'll be a, a, a good step for, I think, all schools and especially for the University of Texas come July 1st. Um, and then the other thing is just, you know, I, I want to shout out Texas One Fund and really all collectives across the state here and just say, you know, donating really helps a lot of these kids out and helps kind of grow the community. I think that, Overall, this this NIL space has a lot of news and a lot of things thrown out about it, about people, you know, student athletes getting paid tremendous amounts of money or, you know, 
donors wanting to pay for play. And, and realistically, what's going on in the space is that's happening on a very small level and a very few places. Overall, this is helping the kids. This is helping the community. You're getting a lot more connection for, you know, kids going to school. And so, you know, I just really hope that people continue to donate to collectives across the state, across the country, and that this NIL space grows and continues to help as many people as possible. Guys, thanks. Appreciate it. This is uh, very, very helpful, and we'll certainly lean on it, and I'll, we'll save the number. And if we have more questions as it comes down, we uh, hope we can lean on you again. So thanks so much this morning. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for having us. All right. Appreciate it. There you go. There's your, your overview of what's coming on July the 1st. Wanted to go to the source. And that is uh, Trenton Halfley and Darren Dickerson from the Austin and Bird uh, firm, a multinational law firm. They helped advise the Texas One Fund and the state of Texas uh, on this new legislation. J.J. Gotch, uh, thoughts? You were a college athlete uh, back in the day. I'm glad I'm not a college coach right now. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm, glad I'm not a college administrator. I was thinking about my days uh, after playing. I was a coach at TCU for a couple of years. Handled the recruiting, uh, really just having to stay on top of all the NCA rules and regulations at that point when it was much, much simpler. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's a business. It's a true business now, and you're dealing with amateur, for the most part, amateur athletes that are now becoming professionals as well. It's a ever-evolving space. I You know, I've said this for years. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, it's somewhere in the middle, but... You know, it's interesting to see, and as they talked about, the NCA is the governing body, but they really didn't have any authority to to really do anything with schools. And and I'm glad that uh, the governor stepped up and and had you know is creating something here because the other issue in Texas, and I and I was I was going to ask one of the gentlemen, but uh, is it wasn't the same for Texas schools, right? So there was another Division One school here in the state. Um, not going to mention the coach. He and I had a long conversation. But he didn't have the same access to NIL funds that, not necessarily funds, but being able to get them and then use them the way that UT and A&M did. And so there's that part of it, right? So even within our own state, there wasn't uh, consistency. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next 12, 24, 48 months with NIL, with conference realignment. You know, that's going to continue to happen. Where does the, will there even be an NCAA in four or five years? I think Darren uh, mentioned that. And that's, I think we're watching that. And I think the way he said it, if, if the federal government doesn't step in and put some legislation through that, that makes it uniform across the 50 states um, and then maybe even gives the NCAA some legal protection, which you heard Darren say he's doubtful that that can happen or will happen because it's so dysfunctional in D.C., uh, then, you know, how does the NCAA get you know any control of this? Uh, and I, I think you're right that in the state of Texas, while these are the this is the current you know, climate, and this is currently what the rules are, at least make it uniform for your own state. At least make it uh, so that everybody in the in the state of Texas can, can, are, are playing by the same rules and understand what those rules are. Uh, the other states may not like it at this point. They may think it's a, it's a, you know, an advantage, but, you know, that's up to them to figure out within their own state. And, you know, Texas can't, I, I, I applaud Texas for saying, you know what, we, we're going to stay ahead of the curve on this until we're told we have to change. You know what I mean? And I think that is uh, that is a good advice. So we'll pick that up, JJ. We'll also talk uh, college baseball. Of course, you, uh, uh, how many College World Series have you attended in your lifetime? 
Uh, 49. This is only the second one I've missed in 51 years. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. And uh, we'll experience that. Why J.J.'s been to so many College World Series as a college baseball player himself and what he thought about LSU's resounding win last night uh, in the state of college baseball. Also, the uh, Austin Gamblers, uh, NIL, uh, end of the college athletics calendar for 2022 and 23 wrapped up last night. We'll look towards 2023 and 24 coming up as well. It's being on the Horn. It's Bucky and Aaron. All right, appreciate the uh, the attorney's assistance on that so people can understand what's coming here at the end of the month with NIL. J.J. Gotch in the house, president of the Austin Gamblers. And I will say after seeing uh, three or four of the episodes of The Ride on, on Prime Video, one of the stars of The Ride. You're in there quite a bit, which I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I was at the screening that you brought us to at the Alamo Draft House and, and invited us to. It's so tremendous. But uh, that's got to be weird to see yourself up on the big screen. Yeah, I was. I did not know that I was going to get as much airtime as it ended up happening. Uh, apparently, they, there just wasn't enough good footage, so they threw me in there, <laughs> hoping I don't uh, drag the ratings down too much. But it was, it was really enjoyable um, to be a part of that process. Um, that's actually, you know, I both Reed and I, uh, Reed Ryan and I, got our degrees in radio, TV, film production at TCU. So I actually got to utilize a little bit of my degree at some point and kind of understanding the process there. But there's a group called Kinetic Productions. The, the executive producer, Micah, was a football player at KU. So we were able to, he, he really understood the whole process. And, and, you know, the hard part is is that bull riders are incredible guys. They're grit, courage, sacrifice, all those things. And once you get it done, they're great guys. But it takes a while to, to, to gain their trust. And, you know, they were all a little bit leery where these guys are going to tell, tell their stories accurately you know what? Where they get a makeup drama, but the the re, the reality is is that when you're when you're filming guys that are getting on fifteen hundred to two thousand pound bulls, you don't need to inject any fake drama. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's got, it, it, that's why it draws parallels to the F one series that was on Netflix and so popular because you know to get behind the wheel of a car and go two hundred and twenty miles an hour with other cars around you, those guys have some some toughness to them too, and some uh, you know courage, and you know certainly to climb on the back of a two thousand pound angry bull uh, takes it as well so people can appreciate that but you're right the backstories and just like in F1 that the backstories are what people really get get to know the parents and the families and where they came from and you have a rider on the Austin Gamblers from uh, right here in Central Texas yeah Zeke Mitchell uh, actually had Zeke in last night for a second screening we did last night down at Alamo but uh, Zeke grew up uh, half his life in Rockdale yeah and uh, you know just grew up probably an hour from here and so one of the questions that somebody had last night was you know growing up in Rockdale Zeke and sitting here today at a screening, watching yourself, you know, in a docu series on Prime Video and being the star of one of the professional sports teams, you know, what's it like? And he's like, I, I don't even think about it. I'm just, you know, blessed to be here every day. But he's, he's a great example. Um, he, he was a great member of our team. But he's, he's one of the shining stars of not only that docu series, but of the PBR. He's got an incredible personality. Everybody that meets him likes him, and I think um, you know when you watch that docu series, you really gain an appreciation for him and what he's had to go through. Well, and folks who don't know Zeke or haven't seen the series, he's one of the very few uh, uh, black bull riders, and uh, grew you know had to you know, growing up in the state of Texas where you better be playing football or something along those lines. Uh, he was a bull rider from the jump and uh, loves the sport, and he's thriving. Uh, in the bull riding uh, realm at this point. And as uh, J.J. has told us, it went from an individual sport now to a team sport. Before we talk some college baseball and some other topics, J.J., how, did, how, did the, how, how are the athletes and the bull riders 
taking to the new team concept. It's such an individual. It's kind of like golf, right? I mean, you know, live golf and that whole conversation. When it becomes a team and they're your teammates, and uh, how have the the riders taken to the new format? You know, that was one of the, the interesting things. We were the people that probably were most leery of this new team concept were the fans and the riders. And you know, really from a riding standpoint, these guys have been riding for themselves their entire life. Um, and to now be on a team. And so we, all of us collectively, not just the gamblers, but all the teams, worked really hard on creating a team culture and creating a team atmosphere. We actually uh, enlisted the help of a lot of different military folks here in town and around, uh, some some different Navy SEALs, uh, some different Special Forces guys, brought them in not only to help with the physical training but the mental training and then just the importance of being on a team and being able to, to be there for your teammates and count on each other. And so it actually worked out better than we thought. And then really the biggest probably piece that I think the riders appreciated was the financial piece. Yeah. Uh, because now that we've gone to this team series, uh, there's not the financial risk because before, you know, when you're in, when you're in bull riding or rodeo, you know, you've got a lot of different costs from hotel and travel and uh, your food and entry fees and all these different things. And you don't win any money. You, the only way you get any money back is you have to win, yeah. right? And so within this team series, they're actually getting compensated on a weekly basis, regardless if the team wins or loses, regardless on how well they do. So some security financially. So a lot more. Yeah. So, the, you know, they're never going to get paid for what they do uh, for the for the they're never going to be fully compensated for the risk that they put themselves through. But they're being compensated more. Did and, any uh, rivalries between any of the teams break out this year? Any, yeah. Any, any kind of beef? Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that you'll you'll see in the docu series is that you know there's some regional rivalries. You know, just from well, there's by, some characters for by, sure yeah, by states. <laughs> but really, I think that the the new rivalry that is now that kind of was started last year and continues this year is between Carolina and and here Austin. We've got Jose Vitor Leme, who is arguably the greatest bull rider in the history of the sport. Last year, Carolina had, at that point, the defending world champion, Dalen Swearingen. So there was a battle just between the two potential MVPs that went to the last weekend of the year before that race was settled. And now, and then this year, they made some massive trades in the offseason to move up in the draft. And so now they've got two former world champions, four probably top 10 guys. Uh, we beefed up our roster in the offseason. So it's kind of Yankees Red Sox right now <laughs> with, with Carolina like with, with Carolina and, and Austin and so that's probably there's going to be some other rivalries that develop um and, you know I think throughout this year and, and but those things take a while but I think probably Carolina and Austin is going to be the one to look at this year is like during weekly on a week to week basis is the the competition available like to people in Brazil to watch cuz I know it's it's huge there is there like a stream, yeah, streaming yeah, I think it's available in 165 countries. Really? Okay. Yeah. So and y'all's TV's ratings for the first year were really good. Yeah. So every so every single bull PBR bull riding event is on PBR Ride Pass, which is on Pluto TV, so you can stream that anywhere free. And then on usually our Saturday night events are on CBS Sports Network, and then on Sunday our events are on Big CBS. And that last half of the year, last year, and it'll be the same this year, is when we're when we're NFL adjacent, when our when our PBR event goes right up right up into the NFL game. We were drawing between 2.1 and 3.1 million viewers. It's awesome. Which is more than the MLS championship and a lot of other big sporting events. Yeah, people love the bull riding and uh, behind the scenes and, and getting to know the riders and then the bulls. Check it out, Amazon Prime and Prime Videos, where you'll find it. It's called The Ride. Uh, well worth your eight episodes of time and take you about you know a couple of binge binges and 
know, stay in the air conditioning, get out of the heat, and watch some good TV. And, of course, uh, coming up at the end of August, um, the Austin Gamblers will be back uh, for, for Gambler Days at uh, Moody Center. Uh, to start, you know, right ahead of the football season. It's a great way to launch that. Uh, what is it, August 25th through 27th? Is Look that right? Look at you. You're a great partner, E. Thank you very much. And what, are you in the season in Vegas, right? We do. Yep. So uh, the, uh, the home event. for that. Yeah, the Gambler Days event here at the Moody Center is halfway through the season. We're event 5 out of 10 in the regular season, and then we finish in Vegas at T-Mobile. T-Mobile. So uh, follow that. Uh, Prime video, of course. And, yeah, August, uh, August 25th will be the first day, and hopefully we can do some live shows down there and bring that like we did last year. Of course, the Austin Gamblers pro- – Powering our Buck Off Thursdays now. And what a great and natural fit that is with the Buck Offs and the bull riding. So get ready for those and bring those to us anytime. Buck on to the LSU Tigers, uh, national champions in college baseball. I know a lot of Longhorn fans were uh, rooting for Florida just to, to keep the tie, right? LSU and Texas were tied for national championships all time with six. LSU now has seventh. Uh, of course, they beat Texas for the championship back in 2009. And, um, you know, that tied it at six. And now they have seven Longhorns having one one in a bit. But uh, what did you make? As you, we said, t- tell your story, J.J. You grew up in and around the College World Series. You played college baseball. And as you said, you've been to 49 College World Series in your lifetime. Yeah, so I grew up in Omaha. And really, I tell people I, I really grew up in two places. I grew up in the parking lot of Rosenblatt Stadium <laughs> and the parking lot of Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Uh, either I was either jacking around in the parking lot before a Husker game or, or during the College World Series. So grew up my entire life in Omaha, going to the College World Series every year. Uh, was extremely fresh, uh, fortunate my freshman year to, to play in the College World Series with Creighton. Uh, got close next couple years, uh, and then with TCU we were a game away as well. But then, yeah, it's it's really our family uh, reunion every year, you know, as opposed to Christmas or Thanksgiving. We get together every year for the College World Series. We go to Lot D, which is just beyond the left field fence. Uh, it's just a, it's an amazing atmosphere for folks that have not been there, even with the move to Schwab uh, Field downtown, what was formerly TD Ameritrade. It's just an amazing experience. Uh, and, you know, this was because of our trip to Brazil. This is only the second time that I've missed in, in 51 years. But uh, and what a year to miss. Yeah. You know, arguably, probably one of the greatest College World Series in history. I think all but two games, all but three games, two of the three championship games and one during the regular sessions was were one decided by one runs. Multiple extra inning games, uh, just an amazing World Series to watch, and a ton of talent. And I think that's something we talked about in our six o'clock hour, and we can expand on while you're here with us. JJ Gotch hanging, um, you know the, the the shrinking of the minor league system in Major League Baseball, right? They've they've shrunk down the the levels, and you can explain that. But also they shrunk the Major League draft from forty rounds or fifty rounds down to twenty. And so, as we talked about, a lot of those, you know, a lot of those picks between rounds twenty one and fifty. Or young high school players, young young high school prospects, arms like this, just raw power arms. Well, just think about that. That's like you know, that's thirty rounds of a draft that are now not going to happen. You know, there's a lot of high school players that will choose college. They're going to choose to come to college and play college baseball and develop that way because of NIL, because of opportunities to make some money while they're there, but also get developed. And I think, like we saw, we had, I mean, the, the top five picks in the amateur draft coming up on July 9th, we were, we're starring in Omaha potentially, right, with Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and uh, Wyatt Langford and Rhett Louder. And, I mean, it, uh, those could be the top five picks in the draft. And I think that's going to be ongoing where the best high school players are going to end up playing college baseball on their way to the pros. No, you, you hit it in, in the intersection of conversations, the earlier conversation we had with the attorneys on NIL. You know, b- before there were the big decision for high schoolers and then even co- collegiate juniors and seniors 
was to leave college to make money. Yes. You know, it was one, you wanted to pursue your dream of playing in the big leagues and playing professional baseball, but it was to make money. The reality is, is that for 99% of these guys outside of the first five rounds, you're not making that much money. And so now for these guys, a majority of college players at every level, even, you know, from not only Texas and A&M, but probably even Texas State are going to be making more per year via NIL deals than most minor league players. So I'm excited. And I know like guys like Ty Harrington, I think collegiate baseball is just going to continue to get better and better and better. Uh, and, and the talent that we saw, it, you know, displayed in Omaha this year and at the different regionals leading up to it, I think that's going to, you're going to continue to see that year in, year out. Agreed. Uh, I, I think it's just going to build on top of itself. And as we talked about, you can speak to this too, JJ. You know, I, I know a lot of ball players who went straight from high school into rookie ball. That's not a glamorous life playing minor league baseball at the low levels, rookie ball. I mean, you're you're in a locker room with a lot of players from around the world. A lot of them don't speak English. They're 16, 17-year-old Latin kids, and they're just trying to follow their dreams too. I mean, they're not making a lot of money. We had a tech texter that said that I knew a guy that lived in a, in a two-bedroom apartment with seven players. It's not glamorous uh, versus – you know, playing at a place like Texas or Texas State or TCU, where you get developed, you get to shine and, you know, be coached by great coaches and that kind of stuff. It, it, with the NIL opportunities, it's a complete game changer for high school baseball decision makers. <laughs> no, and I can tell you the, the difference between the University of Texas or, or TCU locker room and the facilities <laughs> they have compared to, say, the Billings Reds. <laughs> it's, it's, it's vastly different. And for a lot of these kids that have grown up in showcase baseball, and have, and have been exposed to the different baseball they have, not just when they get to college, but before, uh, the, the, the lower levels of the minor leagues. And even it's gotten a lot better since, and since my time, but it's, it's still not great. And, and it's a wide disparity. And like I said, there's, there's not as big a reason to go now because the money that you can make in college – is greater than you than a lot of guys will ever make in the professional leagues. Yeah, because uh, it is a lot of players trying to climb that ladder. And uh, we also have the financial – one of the big conversations around Paul Skeens and what he pitched last night centered around the fact that he's making some pretty good money, pretty good money through the NIL. And there are those saying, wait a second, you know, the, the, what are we paying for here? Well, this is for a national championship. Obviously, they didn't need him. Uh, LSU, uh, they got their bats going. The offense was tremendous. They won 18-4. to And Dylan, Dylan Cruz, um, best player in college baseball, that's not a pitcher. I think that's fair to say. That guy is unbelievable. His head coach, Jay Johnson, called him the best player in the history of college baseball. Now, that's a mouthful. That's aggressive. But uh, three times an All-American, twice the SEC Player of the Year. How about this, J.J.? He finishes his career on a 75-game on-base streak. 70, also, he was on base in every game this year, all 71 and carried over from four the previous year. So he leaves with 75 games in a row, getting on base. He batted 426 on the year, 18 home runs, a, you know, five-tool guy, uh, who somebody will remind us, he didn't get drafted out of high school because that was the COVID year, and there was only five rounds of the draft. And he told everybody, don't take me, I'm going to LSU. And uh, they're happy he did because he is, uh, you know, one of the greatest college baseball players of all time. But his coach, pretty aggressive with his comments. But uh, he certainly is in the argument because uh, only four players ever have won the Golden Spikes and their team win the national championship. Hasn't been done since Tito Francona back in 1980 pulled off that. So uh, pretty pretty rare, rarefied air. Hey, coming back, we're going to have Ty lead us through some hot or not topics, things we've missed halfway through this show. That's always fun. Also, uh, more conversations to come with J.J. Gotch. It's being on the horn. What's hot? 
and what's not. What's Hot, What's Not is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. Visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Hot not, no doubt about it. It is uh, hot in Austin, Texas. Also hot to have J.J. Gotch in the house from the Austin Gamblers. Good stuff on college baseball as well. Pro football focus is hot on the Longhorns. Of course, they have their college football division, and they have Texas as the number five team in the country in the preseason, fifth in the land. Their little overview says outside of Ohio State, Texas has the best receiving core in college football. Xavier Worthy and tight end Jatavion Sanders, both top four players at their position nationally. Uh, Longhorns have excellent depth as well with Donnie Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Isaiah Nay are all back. The question is, can Quinn Ewers deliver the ball consistently? Former top quarterback recruit in the 2021 class was up and down in his first year. If he lives up to the hype as a redshirt sophomore, Texas could finally be back. That's Pro Football Focus's overview of the Longhorns in 2023. I think that's kind of what we've talked about. The ceiling is going to be determined by the quarterback. And by the way, that quarterback, I don't know if you know this, J.J. Gotch and Ty uh, Henderson, has his own apparel line now. Apparel line. Yeah. Quinn Ewers has uh, released a custom apparel line ahead of the season. It's athletic workout gear that he's sporting. Um, Vapor Apparel, it's called. It's produced by Vapor Apparel. It's got a silhouette of him throwing a football on it. It's uh, created for performance. Moisture wicking fabric built UPF 50 plus for sun protection. Get sweatshirts and pullovers and long sleeves and T-shirts and shorts. So it's like his jump man? Yes, it's his jump man. Uh, so, yes, yeah, someone has gotten to him kind of like Bijan with the mustard, right? You try to try to latch on and let's grow this thing. So that uh, Quinn Ewers now with his own apparel, his clothes. Bijan was, was pimping a, a, an apparel line, too, at one point. He had a lot of deals. He had a lot of deals. <laughs> well, remember Bichon, he was doing all right. Remember when Bijan came to Austin from, from Arizona, I believe it was his aunt who's, uh, who moved here and lived here and kind of helped him with all that. She became kind of his manager. Uh, which was great to have a family member here for him, and uh, she was super helpful in helping to build those things for him, uh, which is going to be more and more common, right? More and more common because there's you know, Quinn Ewers is the, the quarterback of Texas. There's I did, I did finally try the Bijan Musterson, and? and I'm not even a big mustard guy, but it was good. Had it with a soft pretzel. Ooh, oh, nice. Tasty. By the way, speaking of soft pretzels, uh, JJ, we were in. in uh, <laughs> well, no, because I was going to come back to you. All right. Because we we took a trip. We were up in Dallas this weekend seeing family, and we went into Fort Worth, and we had lunch at a place called that, that recommended by our man Craig Flowers called the Bankhead Brewing Company. Bankhead Brewing right there near UT, uh, TCU campus. Man, they have these huge soft pretzels that come on this big hook. Really good. That was a food there was outstanding. So thank you to Craig Flowers for the recommendation. You went to TCU. You know Fort Worth. I do. I don't know that that was there when I was there. I was there a long time ago, Eric. <laughs> you were there a long I, I time was, ago. Aaron, it was almost 30 years. I think 29 oh, to be exact. Well, TCU had a heck of a year, too, by the way. Played for the national championship in college football. Went to Omaha in college baseball. One other note before Ty gets to some hot or not topics. Can you give us the final tally? Because we've talked all a lot about the, the Jello Shot Challenge at Rocco's Bar and Grill in Omaha, someplace you've been many, many times, J.J., uh, how about this number there, Ty? Did you see the final tally of how many Jello shots the fans of LSU bought and purchased? It was like what sixty thousand or something. Sixty four thousand eight hundred and eight. It's a it's a Mickey Mouse title though because they had one guy who bought like thirty thousand of them. Thirty thousand. But, but here's the deal. Let's just all right. I thought so, he did six thousand. Right, so go ahead and erase. Let's just say thirty thousand. So let's just say somebody bought thirty thousand and it's still thirty four thousand. Second place was TCU at 8,000. Yeah. <laughs> and the previous well. record was like 17,000 for the entire two weeks, and that was like you, Ole, Miss. Ole Miss last year. You, you, could, you could erase 50,000 and they still win. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
True. But True. here's you know here's the flip side of this, and this is something I don't think was widely uh, you know advertised before this year because it was not this big of a number. But Aaron and I talked about the economic development for Omaha when a team like LSU or Texas or Mississippi State comes, but LSU more than anybody. A dollar, so those shots are five bucks a piece. A dollar goes to that homeschool's food bank, the food bank in that homeschool's cool. area, and then fifty cents goes to a local Omaha charity. So a buck fifty goes to a charity. So you know that's sixty four grand going to a food bank uh, in Baton Rouge. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So they're supporting a good drinking cause. for the kids. <laughs> drinking for the kids. That's exactly right. Ty, what do you have for us in our hot or not? These are topics we've missed halfway through a Tuesday edition. Uh, this was a story from this weekend that I probably should have mentioned yesterday, but uh, Mariah Mills. Uh-oh. Remember the name? This is Zion Williamson's uh, problem. His lady. Uh, well, she got Zion tattooed across her cheek over the weekend. Oh, no. Really, it's <laughs> it's out there. It's it's about that big. Yeah, you know, if you're watching on Twitch, you can see, but look on Twitter because uh, she she marked herself with his name. Is there, if the definition of unhinged, is she <laughs> yes. in the dictionary is a picture of her right there? I think she really wants to be famous. And well, this clearly. is probably. You think? <laughs> you think? I think that's a good assessment, Mr. Psychologist. Yes, she wants the fame that's coming with being attached to Zion Williamson. That's why she keeps doing this. And uh, what a mess for Zion. Um, problem. By the way, also, uh, I thought you might go with this on our Hot or Not. The New York Jets apparently are reluctantly preparing to be named the team on Hard Knocks. We're going to have to talk about this a lot. Uh, in 2023. Of course, that's Aaron Rodgers, New York market. Old Robert Sala, the head coach, is kind of like, oh, man, I don't need this. Need it's Hard Knocks. Work. No. They're, they're winning nine games next year. Book you it. know, I mean, you get to behind the scenes with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we get him on some psychedelics. See how that goes on camera. You, you've been on the camera a lot, JJ, with the ride. I mean, that's that's unnerving to have cameras around you all the time. They're they're going to have to cut him into the deal somehow, or he's not going to participate. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, NFL might say, "Come on, Aaron, we're, we're doing this." We'll just have Pat McAfee following him around, asking all, all his questions. <laughs> yeah, as long as McAfee's there, maybe that'll work. But uh, yeah, the New York Jets are uh, begrudgingly preparing to be. Name the team. We'll get you the other teams that are on the list. Also, uh, coming up, uh, JJ will talk College World Series. Our friend Omar Uresti is going to join us. Last time we talked to Omar, by the end of the evening, he was on a flight to Toronto to play in the Canadian Open, played with Rory McElroy and Justin Rose. We'll tell you that. He'll let him tell you that story. It's incredible. Uh, the life of a golfer trying to get into tournaments is pretty amazing. That's coming up as well. It's being on the horn.